0: chapter 18 of an unwilling guest by grace livingston hill this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by like many waters chapter 18 a hospital for china although the busy doctor found little time for social duties he nevertheless made two more attempts to call on the rutherfords but on both occasions found none of the family at home It was doubtless due to his being obliged to choose his time whenever there came an opportunity, and to his lack of knowledge concerning the social engagements that would be likely to take the members of the family from home. As a college student, when he had been in town occasionally, he had informed himself about these matters. But now all was different. He must go where he could. Duty was ever present to watch over his movements the second time he turned away from the door quite disappointed he had seen miss rutherford passing a house where he was visiting a patient only the day before she had been in a carriage and leaned out to smile and bow to a lady on the sidewalk of course she did not see him he had just stepped to the window to examine the thermometer for the patient's temperature as the room was so darkened he could not be sure he was right and looking up he had seen her The sight of her face awakened his strong desire to meet and talk with her again. When, at a late hour that evening, he was able to return to his own inner sanctum and commune with himself, he sat for a time thinking with his weary eyes closed, and then abruptly arose, going to a closet, searched out a large wooden box, among several that had not been unpacked since he came to New York. He sent his office boy for the hatchet and opened it and there were revealed myriads of photographs. They were relics of his college days and had not been unpacked since he took them down from his walls when he left. He searched among them for some time in vain. Now and again he would stop and look thoughtfully at a face as old memories were brought up but for the most part he went rapidly over them as if hunting for some certain one. At last near the very bottom he found the object of his search, it was a handsome photograph somewhat faded and soiled by dust showing a beautiful girl with fine dark eyes and masses of black hair about her shoulders standing by a boy with eyes like her own they were apparently about fourteen and sixteen years of age he unceremoniously bundled the rest of the pictures into the box and tumbled it back into the closet to be set to rights another time Then he seated himself and proceeded to study that picture he could remember so well the day when it came into his possession it was the day they were all packing to leave college he had gone over to dick rutherford's room a moment for dick was leaving that day and had all his boxes nailed up and his room entirely dismantled he had wandered about the room and sat down on the window ledge while he talked and noticing this picture slipped down face to the wall behind the bedstead he had reached down pulled it out and showed it to dick he could see dick's face now as he waved it aside never mind that old thing throw it in the waste basket leave it on the floor i haven't another crack of room where i could get in even a microbe and everything is locked i'm mortally afraid they will burst before i get home now There's plenty more pictures at home, and besides, that's only my sister and myself when we were kids. But you don't want to leave your sister's picture about for anyone to get hold of, Rutherford. He had reminded him. Oh, well, I'll trust it to your safekeeping, then, he had said with a laugh as he went out. Maurice Gray had not been sure tonight that he had kept that picture, but a dim memory of putting it in his box, which stood in his room ready to be nailed up, caused him to go in search of it. Now, after looking at it a long time, he carefully cut out the girl's picture and placed it in a little oval velvet frame that had been given him with some baby patient's picture and stood it on his bureau. There he surveyed it with a curious satisfaction. No one could possibly know who it was, he thought, and no one would ever notice it. The original of the picture would scarcely be likely to find it out. After that he went to call again with the same disappointing result. As he came down the steps of the house on 64th Street, he recollected a missionary conference which was going on at that time, and decided to spend his leisure hour there. It was long since he had been able to indulge in one of these meetings, and he was deeply interested in them. He had never quite given up his desire to go to a foreign field, although his opportunities in his own land had seemed to open up in such a way as to indicate his duty at home missionaries were by no means so hard to find as they were at the time he had eagerly pledged himself to go if opportunity offered he smothered his disappointment about the call as best he could told himself it was just as well that he was getting to long for the things of this world too much especially when they were things he could never have and went to the meeting the meeting was more than usually moving the spirit of the master who said go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature seemed to be there in very truth there were present several returned missionaries who knew how to speak to the friends at home and stir their hearts to the love of jesus as well as to those who had never heard of him the climax was reached when a missionary from china told in simple language of his work, and of the needs of the region where he was stationed. He spoke of cases that had come to them for treatment, begging to be taken in and cured, but they had no room in the mission for this, that they needed a hospital in that region, fully equipped with a good man at the head, and that there was no money for that. The man made the story live until his audience saw before them the poor suffering creatures. The listeners were roused to a tremendous pitch of excitement. There were men gathered there who represented a large amount of money. Some of them had been brought by consecrated friends to hear this very man speak. A few of them gathered in a group at the close of the address and talked, and their talk was not without a firm foundation. They were willing, these men, to put their hands in their pockets and help along the work if that hospital could be established, and put in running order before another year. "'How are you, doctor?' said one, as Maurice Gray pressed forward to get a word with the speaker. "'We've about decided to have a hospital. I wish we could put you at the head of it. You would be just the man.' "'I wish you would,' was the unexpected response, fully confirmed by the eager face and eyes full of deep feeling. "'Oh, I should like it above all things.' Do you really mean it? said the man, wheeling about and looking him in the face. You, with your prospects and your position, would you leave it all to go to China and nurse those poor old women? Why, man alive, you'll be able in a few years, if you keep on as you've started here, to support two or three hospitals yourself. I would count it the highest possible honor to go, said Maurice Gray solemnly well then if that's so we certainly ought to furnish the funds for your work said the old gentleman wheeling back to the others who stood silently listening and it did not all end in talk evelyn rutherford upon returning from a play which she considered extremely lacking in interest and during which she had been annoyed more than once by the obtrusive attentions of mr worthington who took it upon himself to monopolize the seat next to her in the box, was conscious of deep disappointment to find by the cards left on her dressing-table that she had again missed Dr. Gray. She frowned at herself in the glass and wondered if it was ever to be so with them, always missing each other. Why did she care, anyway? He only called from politeness, of course. But she still would have liked to be at home, just to see if he still continued to seem to her so much of a man. She was growing cynical about men. She had decided that there were very few good ones, always excepting her father and brother, for they were growing nearer to her in these days. It occurred to her, just as she was about to retire, that she might make a way to meet Dr. Gray again if she chose. She wondered it had not come to her before, what more natural than he should be invited to dine with them when she had spent several weeks in his father's home it must have even seemed strange to him that no attention had been paid him at all a quick crimson dyed her cheek for now that the thought had occurred to her it seemed inexcusable that it had not been carried into effect before it is true she had sent mrs gray and allison both exquisite presents at christmas time but kindness such as she recognized theirs to have been, could not be repaid by a few paltry gifts. What did they think of her that she had extended no invitation to the son who lived so near to her? Perhaps, however, she was more troubled about what the son himself would think than about his family. She hastily scanned the leaves of her engagement book to see what day was unoccupied, and then sat down at her desk and wrote a note of invitation she would wait till she could consult her father and brother in the morning before sending it for she wished to be sure they would be at home that night but her conscience felt easier with a note already written as it happened both her father and brother had engagements on the evening selected and it became necessary to wait until the next week and write another note so that it was nearly two weeks after his useless call that maurice gray stood once more upon the brownstone steps and waited for the butler to open the door. Evelyn, mindful of Miss Rebecca Bascombe's warning, had selected a dinner dress that was cut rather high and filled in the neck with something soft, transparent, and white. The dress was black and very becoming. She studied herself in her mirror more critically than she had done in many a day. On the whole she was dissatisfied. Neither face nor dress looked as she thought his ideal woman would look but why should she care she asked herself as she turned away with a sigh she had hoped to have a moment or two with him before the others came in but he was late himself instead of her father and brother as she had planned he apologized he came from a very sick patient whom he dared not leave sooner he had almost feared it was too late to come at all but he had presumed to come in spite of the hour as his social pleasures were so few they went out to dinner at once evelyn presided like a queen so thought the guest he watched her as if it were a pleasure long afterward he could close his eyes and see her white hands moving among the cups and mixing the salad dressing and recall the stately bend of her head as she answered the servant in a low tone the young doctor was almost immediately engaged in conversation by mr rutherford and his old friend dick But his eyes feasted themselves upon the beautiful woman who presided at the table she said little herself she could but be conscious of his eyes and her own drooped in consequence she wondered for what he was searching her so did he expect to see her life written on her face was he studying her to see if she had kept her promise looking up at that instant she met his gaze and smiled It was a simple little thing to do, but her color heightened after it. There had been no outward reason for that smile, but in her heart she knew it had come to answer his question about the promise. Did he also know it? For he smiled back a glad, happy smile, like a boy just out of school and enjoying his freedom to the full. She cherished that smile for many a day thereafter. She had never seen him in this bright gay mood before he joked with dick and they told many stories of their college days in which all were interested in fact the guest proved himself so fascinating that mr rutherford strolled into the drawing-room with the young people later in the evening to enjoy the conversation it is needless to say he never did that for the sake of joining the group which contained mr worthington evelyn sat a little apart from the three men but deeply interested in what they were saying and watching them intently, thinking how well they seemed to get on together, and wondering at it, seeing that they represented homes so different. She hardly knew why this pleased her so much. She did not thrust herself into the conversation, but they included her often, and Dr. Gray would turn his eyes to hers, as if seeking a sympathy he felt sure of finding there. It was an evening such as Evelyn had never passed a vision into the might-have-been which it had never entered into her heart to conceive before she felt happier than she had felt since she was a child and she did not try to question why she felt so she simply accepted it as one accepts things in blessed dreams then into this pleasant room where for the time being pure happiness reigned alone there entered the serpent in the shape of mr worthington it is needless to say that he had not one thing in common with the hour or the company mr rutherford and his son arose and stiffly bowed good evening to the caller dick looked extremely annoyed at the interruption dr gray was introduced and a shadow crossed the brightness of his face as he quickly looked the stranger over placed him and then cast a questioning glance at evelyn she wondered if he had seen her with mr worthington the caller essayed to draw evelyn into a -a tete-a-tete but she did not respond she answered him in a tone calculated to make the conversation general and remained where she had been sitting before he came in he drew his black brows together in a frown as he took in the situation and reflected that he had come at an unfortunate time though perhaps it was as well to make his favorable impression upon father and brother now as at any time he then set himself to listen and join in the conversation as soon as an opportunity should offer. The doctor had been telling a story that seemed to interest them all when the caller had been announced, and he was now finishing it. Evelyn wished he would talk on all night so that there need be no opportunity for the other guest to speak, for she felt unhappy and humiliated by his presence. She resolved that she would have nothing more to do with him hereafter, how could she when she saw these two together oh maurice that is too good said young mr rutherford laughing at the conclusion of the story i tell you we must manage to see more of one another can't you plan your time next winter so that we can have at least one evening a week together somewhere i tell you you will kill yourself if you go on at this rate come say you will you could have done a vast amount of good to me if you had held up some of your slum work in college and put in a little time with me richard rutherford looked at his friend with a winning smile that had always brought to him friends when he chose and it was met by one full of response but with a tinge of gravity dick i should like it better than i can tell you but. Here the smile faded entirely, and his face grew grave and almost sad. But I do not expect to be in New York next winter. Not in New York next winter, man. Why, what do you mean? asked Dick, astonished, and Evelyn gave the slightest perceptible start, which she hoped was unobserved. She did not know that her father, from looking moodily at the young man by her side, had turned sadly toward her wondering if his pretty daughter was going to throw herself away on that worthless creature and seeing her slight motion had speculated behind the hand that partly shielded his face what it might mean i expect to sail for china in september said the young man quietly a great reverence in tone and voice as if he were going under high commission For china have you a foreign commission are you going as an ambassador what you have not joined the army yes i have a commission he answered smiling with that pleasant way he had of talking his religion to his friends that reminded evelyn of the day upon the hilltop but it is from a higher tribunal than the government of the united states my commission is an old old one and in a sense i joined the army long ago but i suppose you have forgotten it i am sent as an ambassador of jesus christ i go out as a medical missionary this fall during the silence and almost consternation that followed this statement young worthington with inexplicable bad taste saw his opportunity are you going to take your wife with you or have you sent her out by adams express company selected by the people at home who pay the bills i hear that is quite a fad among missionaries now to have their wives chosen and sent over to them when they get ready it must be a great convenience to those who find it hard to choose for themselves i heard of a fellow the other day who advertised for one but when she came he found she had but one eye you'd better keep a sharp watch on them if you intend to try that way you might get left if the young man expected to raise a laugh he was mistaken The faces of both the Rutherford gentlemen expressed the extreme dislike and superiority one might feel for an impudent little cur that has snapped at one's feet. The eyes of the young doctor flashed with a righteous fire of indignation. Evelyn thought she had never seen him look so handsome. She did not know he could be so roused. She involuntarily drew her chair sharply away from Mr. Worthington. Then spoke Maurice Gray, the man who will so dishonor a woman as to marry her when he bears her no love is to my mind not only unworthy of being a missionary of jesus christ but also hardly worthy the name of man surely not gentleman you are married then or about to be persisted the young man determined to carry off the situation in spite of the atmosphere which he could not help but see was hostile in the extreme no mr worthington a man would require a brave heart indeed to ask any woman he loved to share the hardships and dangers of a missionary's life one would need to be sure that she also felt the call to go before daring to ask a woman to share such a life with him oh the hardships and dangers are things of the past sneered the young man missionaries nowadays live like princes with all that they need paid for and companies of servants to do their bidding they really have very little to do. Pray, when were you a missionary, Mr. Worthington? inquired Evelyn in her most cutting tone. You must have been on the spot to be so well informed. Dr. Gray looked up in surprise. He had never heard this Evelyn. The icy tones did not belong to his ideal. Nevertheless, they did him good at this juncture mr rutherford senior relieved the situation by ignoring mr worthington entirely and leaning forward asked in earnest tones but what does dr Attlee say to this i understood that you and he were partners and my son told me this morning that he heard dr Attlee call you his better half does he know of this most extraordinary and self-sacrificing move on your part a strange sweet light overspread the face of maurice gray yes he knows i am going with his blessing it is hard to give up the association with him he is a grand man did you know it was his early dream to go as a missionary himself yes and he gave it up to take care of his invalid mother who was suddenly thrown upon his care she is still living and still an invalid and he is devoted to her he says he wants me to go in his place. He has been wonderful. He is giving a large sum to the new hospital I am to have in charge. Then did Dick Rutherford begin a fire of questions about China and the work, and Maurice Gray answered with some of the stories the returned missionary had told, which had roused his sleeping desire to go, until they all were stirred finding that it was of no use to try to turn the conversation to his own level or to secure miss rutherford's attention mr worthington again essayed to take part in the conversation if all that is true i should think you would not care to marry he said in his lazy tone one could scarcely find any attractive woman who would care to relegate herself into barbarism he desired to erase if possible the impression he had created by his last blunder, but he was on entirely foreign ground himself. Evelyn's great dark eyes fairly flashed at him, as she said in a low tone, "'The woman who will not go to the ends of the earth for the man she loves is not worthy to be called a woman.' Maurice Gray turned his fine eyes upon her with that pleasant light of sympathy in them. Dick Rutherford looked at his sister with complacency. He was glad to hear such a sentiment from her lips, but he scowled at the young man who had called it forth, and resolved to find some way to keep his sister from him. The evening closed abruptly by the sudden recollection of Dr. Gray that it was time he looked in at the hospital, to see how a man was doing who had that afternoon undergone an operation. "'Now, Evelyn, that is a man,' said her father as he turned from bidding their guest good-bye and that other fellow is a, a contemptible puppy. End of chapter 18